All right, let's open up to Matthew chapter 5. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives its light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus here brings out two very important elements to his day, that day, 2,000 years ago. I think he's trying to paint a picture for you and I that we need to remember that we are salt and light. And to them, salt was very important. Light was very important. It was so cool being at the Capitol on uh, Friday. Whoever designed, I should know because we took a tour. I don't remember who designed it. But anyways, it was so cool because back then, over 100 years ago, they didn't have the lights that we enjoy today that they actually in the architecture made the ceilings out of glass to let in natural light and we were in a few of the rooms they didn't have any lights on and the rooms were just lit up it was beautiful and that's something we take for granted don't we you know i walk around the house oh look at all these lights that are on kids right guys anyways <laughs> it's just one of those things we're blessed with even playing softball this last Monday, which we won 15 to 4, it started getting dark out, right? And what? Hey, we're playing a game. Let's turn on some lights, you know? It's one of those things we take that for granted. But back then, those were two huge things for the people of the day, to have light and to have salt. So I think Jesus here is painting that picture, really, of being that faithful Christian witness. That is what he's speaking to in this passage. Now remember, the Beatitudes are impossible to live out in a private, uh, in private, but we're called to live it out socially, outward. We can't keep the gospel to ourselves, right? That's not what God's told us to do. He said, hey, follow me, right? Believe in me. You'll be born again. You'll be forgiven. You'll be given eternal life. And then what I want you to do is go. <laughs> where? To the mall? To a movie? No! Go where? Into all the world, right? Preach the gospel to all creatures. Disciple all people. He's asked us to go to be a witness, okay? If we didn't need to be a witness, if Calvinism was true and God just picks you and damns you to hell, okay, why would we have to be a witness, okay? If God just chose and picked people, great, you're saved. Why wouldn't, you know, why couldn't we be raptured right then? Oh, God just chose me. I'm gone. Wouldn't that be cool? You know? Oh, where'd your wife go? I don't know. She's been reading this book. 
Where'd you go? Well, I picked up the book too. (laughs) Who knows? Anyways, the point is God is calling us as believers to witness. Do you guys understand that? We are called to go and share the gospel. And we have to do that socially, outwardly. So Jesus didn't tell us that we should be. Did you guys catch that? Does it say in your Bible, look, you should be salt and light? Anybody have that translation? If you do, burn it. Okay, it tells us what? You are. Okay, underline that. You are. Whether you like it or not, brother and sister, you are salt and light. You are the fragrance of Christ wherever you go. Do you guys know that? Well, I've been kind of walking in disobedience. You're still born again. Okay? And we are the fragrance of Christ to those who are dying, (laughs) to those who are alive. That's why I love being around other believers. It's just like, ooh, sweet fragrance. Yes, we're heaven bound. We're forgiven. This is so great. We got to share it. Anyways, Jesus <laughs> tells us we are. Um, Ephesians 5.8. I love this scripture. How many of you guys have studied Ephesians personally? Okay. Take that on this summer if you haven't, because the first three chapters, the six chapters long, the first three chapters of Ephesians lays out just this beautiful teaching doctrine of who we are as Christians, that we are holy, that we are accepted by God, we are adopted into his family, we are children of God Almighty. It's beautiful. All these things that we have in Christ as believers. And then the last three chapters in Ephesians then tells us, well, since you are these things as a Christian, you should live this way. You should walk this way. And look at Ephesians 5.8. It says, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. There's that encouragement. Our brother Paul He's speaking, guys, live in the light, right? Be the light. This is who you are. Walk in that manner. Let your light shine. Don't hide it, okay? I think we have a lot of camouflage Christians today. How many of you guys have been stunned when you, you know, you've known somebody for a little while and then it comes out that they're a Christian? You're like pulling your hair out like me. What? You're a believer? Really? I had no idea. Should it be like that? Should we be sacred saints? Closet Christians? No way. Live out our faith, guys. Do Ephesians 5.8. So I want you guys to listen carefully. All right. Are we listening? I want you to catch this. We cannot change what we are. Are you born again? Can you be onborn? No. <clears throat> if you think you can, show me a scripture, please. If you're born again, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You're in. You are a child of God. No matter how naughty you might be or how much you might try to fight it, once you're born again, you are his. That can't change, right? But we can waste what we are. Do you guys agree with that? Again, I'm going to say it. We cannot change what we are, but we can waste what we are. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to waste my life. I had a great time. I had some alone time with my wife last night. And we got to just talk a little bit about the future. And just sharing a little bit, hey, don't want to waste next season in life. You know, we talked about 
life, goals, glorifying God. How can we do that with our family, with our kids? Thinking through those things, it's good because we don't want to waste our life. God has given, you guys know God has given us much. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says. So receive those things, walk in those things. So the salt, we're going to talk about this this morning. It can lose its saltiness, right? And the light can be dim. So this is not an issue at all of salvation. It's a witness issue. That is the context here. This is what Jesus is addressing for you and I this morning. So salt and light balance each other. Think about this. Salt is hidden, right? It works secretly. It works slowly. Where light is seen, it works openly. And it looks quickly, doesn't it? You guys ever accidentally look at the sun? Whoa! <laughs> it hits you fast, doesn't it? It's like, what am I doing? You guys ever come up here and preach and look into one of these lights? Yeah, it's fun. It's like, ooh, white spots everywhere. Anyways, <laughs> you guys see the difference between salt and light? Okay, they do two different things in that way. So as salt, you'll convict unbelievers. As in light, you will show them good works by love. So salt must make contact where light must be seen. Okay, there's a difference there. Salt is symbolic of the believer's inward character, where light is symbolic of the believer's outward testimony. So Jesus speaks this truth from the land of salt. Okay, do you think the people there would have a grasp? Have you guys ever heard of the Dead Sea? Okay? Oh, great fresh water. I mean, if you could get some bottled dead sea water. Oh, so refreshing, right? Oh, no, it's super what? Salty, right? I want to give a little bit of uh, background and info into it. You see, even today, the Israeli companies, they generate over $3 billion annually from the sale of dead sea minerals. Okay? They're utilizing because it's so salty there. Primarily potash and bromine. Salt in the Dead Sea is 10 times higher than that of any ocean intensity. It's like, whoa, really? Yeah. Um, there's a tremendous uh, reserve. Uh, check this out. It's estimated that there's some 22,000 million tons. Do you guys know how big that is? How much? Me neither. I just know it's huge amount, okay, of magnesium chloride in the Dead Sea. There's 12,000 million tons of common salt. There's 6,000 million tons of calcium chloride. There's 2,000 million tons of patasodium chloride. And there's 1,000 million tons of magnesium bromide. So they have a lot to draw from in the Dead Sea. And it's one of the world's first, um, what would you call that, uh, health spas, okay, uh, natural health resorts. You guys ever jump into a hot spring that's got some, you know, minerals in there that's supposed to bring some healing? How many of you guys recall Herod the Great? Yeah, okay. Well, this here, the Dead Sea, was Masada there, his winter uh, home, so he would utilize it uh, for that. Well, today, guys, we'll take salt 
the first of these two metaphors, and next week we're going to look at, in depth at being the light. Okay, so this morning uh, we're going to keep it salty. Um, so let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be a salt seasoning that brings out God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you will end up in the garbage. So there is a value, and I really want you guys to catch this this morning because you are salt, okay? Now, are you valued by your maker? Absolutely. So much so he was willing to give up everything for you. Do you understand that? The joy that was set before him, that is you. He was willing to endure the cross, to lay down his life. Now, I want to talk about salt's value. See, salt and light are commodities that we take for granted, but in the Bible's time, they were greatly valued. So salt's Uh, Its uses, its values, salt is an essential element in the diets of humans, animals, and even plants. Not only does it flavor our food, but it actually helps our digestive system. It also, um, salt can't be destroyed by fire or time. Did you guys know that? That's pretty cool. So the ocean contains 50 million billion tons of salt. That's a lot of salt. So God has given us plenty. It was used in ancient times. You guys ever know uh, or ever see a documentary how they make the mummies, the Egyptians, okay? How they would preserve salts were used in them doing that. In China, 2700 BC, so almost 3,000 years before Jesus, Ping Zhao Can Mu, uh, (laughs) he wrote a, a treaty about Salt, and he discovered that there were at the time more than 40 different kinds of uses for salt. Okay, that's pretty cool. Do you guys know that today there's over 14,000 different uses for salt? Think about that. Wow, that's pretty cool. So there is a value to salt. Also, there were two methods of extracting salt seawater is evaporated, in rock salt, they would mine it. So salt served as money at different times in various places throughout history. We get the phrase, you guys ever hear, not worth is salt? Okay, That's, we get that phrase from ancient Greek practice of buying slaves in exchange for salt. Roman soldiers were given uh, salarium uh, uh, um, or different salt rations where we would get the word salary. Salt rations, salary, okay? You guys see how, you know, how much value there is to salt? So that's why we have superstitions that have developed over the years about being a bad luck to spill your salt, okay? These things have all come from that. Even in um, the, the Last Supper that Leonardo da Vinci did, you guys ever see that uh, picture, Last Supper, very famous? You guys can shake your head. I hope we've all seen that. But if you look closely right in front of Judas, okay, there's an overturned salt cellar. Oh, pretty cool. Da Vinci was cool. Anyways. um, Yeah. 
More wars have actually been fought over salt than gold. Did you guys know that? That's cool. Thousands of Napoleon's troops died during his retreat from Moscow because they didn't have salt to aid the wounds of all his men. They were running short on that, and many died. In, US, in the U.S., during the Civil War, northern armies cut off the supply of salt to the Confederate troops by encamping near salt deposits near New Orleans. And then if we look to the scriptures, there's over 30 references to salt. It's kind of fun to study. Can you guys tell I've had a little fun this week? Okay, it's kind of cool. It's like, okay, Jesus, you said this. It must be significant. Well, you start looking into it. It's like, whoa, this verse has come alive. You know, there's so much more here. So over 30 references in the scriptures. It was used to destroy fields. We see that in Judges 9.45. It was also used in covenant making, Numbers 18.19. Um, Job gives me my life verse. Can flavorless food be eaten without salt? Did you guys know that was my life verse? It's not. But it is true, isn't it? Okay. How many of you guys enjoy veggies? How many of you guys enjoy veggies better with some salt? Oh, yeah, right? Even sea salt on stuff. I got to do that on my custard sometimes. You guys ever have that? The caramel sea salt one? Oh. Anyways. Yeah, I know where all you guys are going to be after church. <laughs> um, how many of you guys remember Lot in the Bible? Yeah, remember he had a wife? Not too long, right? What happened to her? Turned into a pillar of salt, right? Um, pillar of salt, destroyed. Uh, Elijah, we're told, he sweetened the waters at Jericho. He cast salt into them to de demonstrate the purifying power of salt. All sacrifices, we're told in Leviticus 2.13, is to be salted before they're offered to the Lord. We're told in Ezekiel 16.4 that when you have a newborn baby, you're to take some salt and rub that baby with salt. So a grain of salt would often be placed. You guys ever have a toothache? They would place salt in there to help with the toothaches. Um, there was no refrigerators back then, right? No refrigerators. So how'd they keep their meat? Fresh, cool, cold. Yeah, had to use salt to preserve it, right? That's what they used in that day. It would take in um, all the, the blood, the moisture would be drawn out, and the, the meat would last a lot longer that way. So when Jesus said, I want you guys to catch it, when he says, you are the salt of the earth, he was saying that you as his follower have value. You are important to God. Do you understand what he is saying here? A lot of times I've heard this taught, well, we're just a preserving agent. That's what we are. Yes, that's true. But I also want you guys to know that there is great value to salt. And I believe when Jesus said that you are salt, when he said that of believers, that you are of great value to me. Great value. And this is like white gold, right? <laughs> you are of great value. So you possess something that the rest of the world really needs. 
So we have this. This is who we are. But are we losing our taste or desalination? See, salt is good only as long as it contains the characteristics of saltiness. So what do you do when gum loses its taste? Right? I didn't really spit, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it, goes right, it goes right underneath your chair, right? I want you guys right now. <laughs> I have found some in here. Who was it? It was green. <laughs> so when a thing loses its essential quality and fails to perform its essential duty, it's really fit for nothing, and it's just going to be thrown away. So salt, that ting, that sharp, strong taste, it's really a quality of discipleship, okay? So the Christian, by his courage, his hope, his cheerfulness, his kindness, it brings a new flavor into life. Do you guys enjoy being around Christians? I hope so, okay? I hope so. Because there is a joy about being around other believers, so if a Christianity was an ice cream flavor, what flavor would you be? Anybody? What? What? Grape? Oh. <laughs> anybody vanilla? A couple vanillas in here? Rocky Road for anybody? All right. How about hazed and confused? Fish food? Coffee, coffee, buzz, buzz? That's me. Yeah, Half you guys are like, yep! <laughs> That's mine. Saved our swirled? <laughs> Anyways. He's looking for those who, with salty character, who will help him influence a decaying world. So his point is to show that, that disciples who fail to live a kingdom lifestyle are akin to something tasteless or devoid of light. So undesirable and of no value. So salt, otherwise known as sodium chloride. All right. Sodium is also an extremely active element found naturally only by a combined form. Catch what I'm saying right now. I'm not wasting words. Are you guys catching this? You have to be combined. Salt is combined. It always links itself with another element. Now, can you be salt without Jesus? No way. Okay? You are just a fallen sinner. Filthy rags over here, okay? Without Jesus. But when you come into faith, into relationship, when you are in Him and He is in you, you are born again. You are one with Him, okay? That's the two elements. That's when we become salt. You guys get that? Good. So chlorine also, on the other hand, is a poisonous gas that, will, that gives off uh, bleach it's very offensive order. You guys ever been in one of those pools that it's just like you don't even get in the water and your eyes start burning? Yeah, yeah, right? So when sodium and chlorine are combined, the result is sodium chloride. 
which is our common table salt. That's what you guys are buying at the grocery store. It's a substance that we use to preserve meat and bring out flavor. So it's in forming a bond. Sodium becomes a positively charged ion by giving up. I want you to catch this. It's giving up its valiance electron to chlorine, which becomes negatively charged ion. So for sodium to become sodium chloride, it must give up a part of itself. Are you guys getting what I'm laying down here? Okay, there is a dying to self. You want to follow me, Jesus says, you pick up your cross, you die daily. You follow, we got to give up a part of ourselves. Okay, Lord, I'm yours, okay? Pretty cool, huh? All right, let's consider our world decaying. The world is decaying, and the world is in darkness. So God sends us in the world to be salt and to be light. So you and I are really an antidote to the corruption. History is not an account of evolution with man trying to climb higher and higher. Okay, It is a sad tale of devolution okay? with man falling lower and lower. Okay, that's just the way it is. Science proves that. Do you guys know that? You guys ever hear the theory that I'm at? We're just, everything's falling apart. Okay, you know, like, I don't know. You guys ever wonder what Adam and Eve looked like? I mean, they were made perfect, you know? Were they bald? Like, do you ever wonder what they looked like? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> so when things decay, what do they do? They just start falling apart, so when living creatures die, it no longer support a cell structure. So the body begins to decompose. It begins to fall apart. We're seeing in our society, I mean, just look around at what's happening. It, I think it's falling apart, okay? Marriages, I mean, marriage is being attacked. Even the definition of what marriage is, that's how far we're falling apart, okay? It seems like more people are getting divorced than married, See marriages falling apart. We see families falling apart. Law and order, okay, falling apart. So the basic institutions of society are on the extinction list. So we don't own culture. We don't rule it. We, brother, sister, serve it. Well, are we to be culturally relevant? As Christians, God's called us to be set apart from this world, guys. He's calling us to be salt and light, not to be like the world, try to fit in and be sneaky, sneaky on bringing people to Jesus Christ. Don't we read in the scriptures that we should be bold with the gospel, not ashamed of it? Absolutely. If I'm wrong, show me the sneaky, sneaky verse. I haven't found it yet. So, with brokenhearted joy and long-suffering mercy for the good man and the glory of Jesus Christ. This is why we serve. So being Christian in this present-day American culture does not end our influence, but it should really take a, a swig or a strut or a stride out of it. 
We shouldn't get cranky that our country has been taken away. We shouldn't whine about the triumphs of evil. We shouldn't get hardened with anger. It's not new. This stuff has always been happening. So this is the way it was really the beginning in Antioch, Corinth, Athens, Rome, as you study throughout history. You see, the empire was not just degenerate. It was really deadly. If you study and you look. For three explosive centuries, Christians paid for their Christ-exalting joy with what? Blood. They were being martyred, persecuted for their faith. And many still do today. And more will, even as we read this last week. Okay? There are brothers and sisters being imprisoned for their faith in Christ. It was a time for influence, and it is a time for influence. Because has our God changed? No. Okay. He still desires that none should perish just as much as today as when he laid down his life and he cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He has not changed. He's long-suffering. He's wanting people to come to him. Well, why aren't they? I want you guys to really ask yourselves, why aren't more people coming to know Jesus Christ? Christian, we need to be a preserving influence in a decaying world. We need to be. God has not called anyone else to do it. No government, no specific nation. He's called his bride, his body, the church, to be that salt and light. That's our job, guys. I'm going to share with you guys, and I really do not want to throw a trip out on you, but I want you guys to know what I pray for specifically as your pastor for our fellowship specifically. And there's only two things that keep coming up over and over again. And I'd love for us to grow in these areas. And I know it's not going to be me beating you (laughs) or preaching a certain way that's going to make this happen. It's going to be us just falling more in love with Jesus. But those two things are, is that we would be bold witnesses for Jesus. You guys know I have a heart for evangelism, okay? But I think God's called us all to do the work of an evangelist. We see that in Scripture. Honestly, if we all would bring one person next week, we wouldn't have enough seats. Would that be a good problem? Yeah, Yeah, people would come and hear the Word of God. This morning, is this good stuff? Wouldn't you love for some people to hear this? Yeah. It's just good. And the second thing is prayer. And I think they go together. Okay? Because if we're out evangelizing, what are we going to be doing? We're going to be praying like, Lord, I just shared with this guy or this gal. Lord, please open their eyes. God, help them to seek. You know, Lord, give me more opportunities to share the truth with them. You know? And if we're really praying, aren't we going to have a heart like our fathers? Aren't we going to be in tune And we'll have a heart for witnessing too, for sharing the gospel. So that's just my heart and my prayer for our fellowship. I I pray that we would grow grow in prayer, in evangelism. So let's switch gears a little bit here. Let's, Let's 
deal with the decay here. The fact that the world is decaying should not encourage the Christian to be isolated. Do you think we have a tendency to do that, church? Yeah. We go over to that building and we meet there. We don't want to have a Bible study in public. We can't be ourselves. Or we insulate ourselves. Nor to stand on the sideline and wait for a great collapse. Okay, we got to engage. So look at the contrast. You guys know the story of Jonah? You guys remember the big fish? Dude gets swallowed, right? Spit out where he's supposed to go preach. Very disobedient man, running from the Lord. And then he had a bad attitude. Where is he after he preached to Nineveh? Oh, I'm going to go sit outside the city. I'm not going to stay there. I told them what they needed to know. Repent! That's all you guys are getting. I'm out of here. <laughs> and sometimes that's what we do, right? We show up. Here it is. See you later. I'm leaving. Well, he was hoping that judgment would fall, whereas Jesus, what did he do when he was outside the city? He looked upon the city. Didn't he begin to weep and have compassion over it? Yeah. Which heart do you think God wants us to have? Sometimes we as Christians not only hate sin, but we seem to hate sinners. Joseph in Egypt, we think about Daniel when he was in Babylon, both acted as divine salt during those times in the midst of a very corrupt society. And God used them. So question, if the world is as, as corrupt as it is with Christians present in it, what will civilization be like when Christians are gone? Guys, remember Sodom and Gomorrah? When the last believers were taken out, what happened? Destroyed. One day God will judge this present world system, but he must call his own out before that judgment can fall. We here at Freedom believe what the scriptures say. There is going to be the imminent return of Christ. We don't know when that's going to happen. The Bible speaks to the rapture of the church. We shall be caught up. We're not appointed to wrath. Read Thessalonians. We're going to be caught up. And there will be judgment that comes upon the whole earth. Read Revelation chapter 4 to 19. The church is not mentioned. We're not there, guys. We've been pulled out and the judgment comes. So meanwhile, our responsibility then is to exert all people or all the power that we really have, that we can, to really prevent decay and to win people to Christ. That's our job. And that's not going to happen if we're just at home sitting on our butts. we got to engage. So salt, seasons, and flavors, whatever it touches. Um, I know Isaac is exempt, my vegetarian brother, but I love a steak with salt on it. I love a good steak with salt, right? Um, that was, you know, that was, that was a great meal. I've never said after having a steak, oh, that, that was great salt. Have you guys ever done that? Anybody? No! 
that's a great chunk of meat. Or broccoli. <laughs> but why? Why? Because the job of the salt is not to make you think it was great salt, right? But how great the thing is which it has come in contact with. Okay? You know Jesus. Okay? You have him. That is what we're sharing with the world, guys. Again, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be a salt seasoning that brings out God flavors of the earth. So salt is different than the food you put it on. Thus, if salt became just like the food, it wouldn't be useful. It would not be used. So if we as Christians become just like the world and lose our positive influence, we'll lose our youth usefulness. So the world is a better place because of the presence of Christians, whether you want to admit that or not. But spiritually, very important because why? We're pointing people to Jesus, right? He alone is Savior. He alone is the way to eternal life. He alone is the truth. He alone is the life. We are the ones that point him to Jesus. Physically, think throughout history. Even here in our own backyard, the hospitals were started by who? Christians. Schools were started by who? Christians, right? The generosity of Christians do you guys understand that we have a place? This is who we are in Christ, and he is using us whether we like it or not. It's just who we are. But if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but be thrown out and trampled underfoot by man. So back in Jesus' day, they didn't have the technology to refine salt like we do today, so um, it would lose its taste. Okay, we can have salt and it's preserved in such a way that it lasts a long time for us. But in fact, it was difficult for them to tell the difference between the salt and the sand on the shores of the sea. What they called salt was really a mixture of sand and salt. And sometimes there was more salt than there would be sand. So when it was more sand than salt, it had lost its flavor. And therefore it was good for nothing and it would just get thrown out. And likewise, if we as believers are being self-centered and start becoming no different than the world, then we're mixing his love salt with the sand of selfishness. And it's good for nothing. This world lives in spiritual dehydration. So we are to create a thirst for them to know who God is. And salt makes people thirsty. You guys ever thirsty? I need some water. All this salt talk. That's why that sea salt custard, you just can't stop eating it. You guys know what I'm talking about? Some of you guys are like, Pastor, I got self-control. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, how about a bag of Lay's potato chips? Isn't that hard to stop? 
just like, oh man, salty. What can I do to fix this salt? Oh, just have another chip, right? <laughs> so salt makes people thirsty. It's been said, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, right? Have you guys heard that before? Actually, you can. What do you do? You rub salt on his tongue. That's what they do. You need to drink, buddy. <laughs> so how do we create a thirst for them to know who God is? Well, if we're the salt of the earth, then people we see in us, or people will see in us what they are seeking for themselves, and they'll want to take hold of it. You got something I want. What do you got? I got Jesus. You know? What do you mean? Well, let me tell you what I mean, right? Think about this. You guys remember the Pharisees? They actually repelled um, the publicans, the sinners, okay? Those guys, those people didn't want nothing to do with those religious dudes. Where Jesus, on the other hand, we're told in the scriptures, actually attracted them. Didn't sinners want to hang out with Jesus? How many sinners want to hang out with you guys? Well, pastor, I'm pretty cool. So of course all the sinners want to hang out with me. Can you show me a scripture where God's called us to be cool? Just one. Then it's cool that you're cool. And it's okay if you're cool. But more than cool, we should be what? Humble. We should be humble. We should be holy. Right? Set apart. And we're not going to do that unless we humble ourselves before our maker. You guys understand, God has called us to holiness. And it's that holiness that people should be seeing in us. And my heart's grieved, guys. The church, man, they're trying to be so relevant and so cool, so much like the world. Hey, if we make things just this way, the world will be comfortable. They'll like what's going on. If we can entertain them well enough, we can keep them here. God said, no, you are my church. You are to be set apart. Be holy as I am holy. Holy unto our God. This is what the world needs to see, guys. They don't need to see Christians that act like the world, that look like the world, that are cool. They need to see someone who's humble before their maker, who's broken, has a contrite spirit, who loves God, who's obedient. That's what the world's not seeing. And that's what he's calling us to. So Jesus made them thirsty for his very own private water supply. I love that. So the more we are like him, the more sinners will be attracted by our life and our witness as we are the salt of the earth. Each one of us believers individually are God's salt to this thirsty world. Look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 6 here. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with what? Salt, Right? so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So even in our speeches, we talk to others. Okay, Let your speech be seasoned with salt. So I take this to mean that we 
uh, or what we say about Christ and about the Christian life should be made as appetizing, appealing as possible, right? Oh, you know, I don't know if you really should become a Christian because it's actually kind of hard. You know, I get persecuted once in a while. And I still suffer. I thought it was just going to be all beautiful and I'd have my best life right now if I just came to Jesus. It's not true. You really, maybe you should think about it a little more. Is that what God's asking us to do? No, life does stink, but you know what? (laughs) God loves me. He died for me. I have a hope that is real. I have a joy I can't explain. Even when I feel down, I still have this joy that's just there. Because I know I have eternal life, and I can't wait, because I know this life is going by so fast. And these trials and these hardships and this thing you're tripping out, it doesn't really even matter compared to the big picture. We have eternal life. And you know what? God wants you to have eternal life too. Because he loves you. He died for you too. And it'd be awesome to be able to hang with you for all eternity because I love you. Right? All right. So, how can we develop the ability to speak about Christ so that there is an appetizing flavor to it? Or how can we learn to talk about Jesus in a way that makes people's mouths water? Well, I think the answer is simply to remind yourself why the gospel tastes so good to you. Why is it so good? Why do you enjoy Jesus? Because if you're in that place, in that mindset, and you really are enjoying him, do you think it just might naturally overflow? Absolutely. So, Prepare to be an advertisement for the satisfying taste of Jesus by enjoying him yourself personally. Every day we should go into the Bible, look at the reasons why knowing Christ is the greatest thing in the world and why it makes our hearts happy in him. So the salt of the earth does not mock uh, rotten meat or rotting meat. Where it can, it saves and it seasons. That's what salt does. Where we can, we do, okay? And where it can't, it weeps. And the light of the world does not withdraw, saying good riddance to the godless darkness, but labors to illuminate, just not dominate. So this morning, guys, I hope you don't take this sermon with a grain of salt but that you will take it ser- all of this seriously. I feel like this is a needed word in the church today. It's, vi- it's not complex. Do you guys understand that? This, this is where the rubber meets the road stuff. And Jesus wants us to get this. So may each of us in our character be found our worth in salt. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and pray. Yeah, Father, we just humbly ask that you would just help. Lord, I know this morning, Father, that you've been here with us. You've been speaking to our hearts. 
And we want to receive from you what's needed, Lord, just to be set apart from this world in a way that really glorifies you and honors you. And I know that's where we get to enjoy you, Father, but we also want to be that salt (laughs) that's needed in this world that really is falling apart. So we pray just for our witness that we would rightly represent you God, that people would be drawn to you through our lives, that we would have a ready word to share with them, to share the goodness of who you are, share the goodness of the gospel with them, God. And we do pray, Father, that you would open the doors of opportunities, Father, with our friends, our loved ones, God, even this week, to witness I pray, Father, that you would just give us the boldness needed. We ask this in your name. Amen.